Hey, 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 what is up, everyone? Welcome to the show. It is Denise. You are watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling. It is December 21st, and we are going to be chatting AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash. And I got to tell you, I think today is going to be an interesting podcast because I'm looking at the comments here, and I'm kind of feeling a little bit disconnected from the chat today um, in terms of how I personally felt about the show. Now, before I get into all of that, uh, just a heads up, everybody. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I'm live three times a week here on F4W Online. Tuesdays, I'm here to talk about NXT. Wednesdays, I'm here to talk about AEW Dynamite. And Fridays, I'm here to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. So I will be here this Friday to talk about both Rampage and SmackDown. So it'll be a pretty good time. On top of that, if you do want to help support this podcast and also make sure you get your questions, your comments, your statements read right here on the stream. You are more than welcome at any point to send in a super chat. They really help me out and they kind of keep the show going in terms of, you know, conversation and whatnot. So it really does help me out a whole lot. And you are more than welcome to send one in at any point if you choose so. Um, also, oh, I just can't wait to talk about this dynamite because um, I feel I feel there's going to be some disagreements here today. And you know me, I love the violence. So let's get right into it. We got our first super chat of the night from Grapple Geekery. Uh, Grapple Geekery says that Swerve and Keefley segment was rough. Otherwise, it was a fun show. The trios and main event matches ruled. Um, well, Grapple Geekery, I'll start off by saying this. I completely agree with both of your statements in which you made here uh, on the super chat. I thought that the trios match was legitimately um, one of the highlights of the show. At one point, I thought it was the highlight of the show until that main event occurred. And we'll talk about that more in greater detail once we get to it. But I do want to kind of kick things off by saying that I did think a lot of Dynamite today was rough. Okay, there was quite a bit of stuff that I kind of felt like, oh, man, I would have liked this to be something else. This did not exactly uh, hit the mark for me. So I will say that there was some rough points on this show, and we are going to talk about those. So in terms of how I felt about Dynamite, aside from the, the trios match, which opened up the show and the main event and maybe a couple things that were sprinkled in between, um, I didn't think like everything else was that great. And we will talk about about that. Um, so I would say if I was to, I don't know, grade the show on a scale of, I don't know, on a grading scale of A through F, I would probably give this one like a I don't know, a B minus C plus type of deal. And it was really only because of that trios match and that main event. If we didn't get those two, um, this would have been a little bit of a rougher show for me. Um, but let's get into that and I'll explain in, in better detail as to why I felt that way. But regardless, thank you so much to Grapple Geekery uh, for kicking us off here today. We also got a, another super chat here from Heidi Ho who says, it was an okay show with a great main event. Uh, agreed, an okay show with a great opener as well as a great main event. Manny and Dallas sends in a super chat saying, how about the F-bomb drop during the Lee Swerve segment? Yikes. Uh, yeah, by Rick Ross. Uh, that was definitely something. And right away you saw it like all over Twitter, people talking about it and whatnot. Uh, so that was definitely... Um, there's going to be way more that I think happened in this entire segment between uh, Rick Ross, Keith Lee, and Swerve Strickland that I think we're going to be talking about a whole lot more. Uh, but thank you so much to Manny and Dallas for sending that in. All right, guys, let's jump on in. We're going to kick things off with a segment that I actually really enjoyed. So I might as well start off by that. Um, we had Ricky Starks. So Ricky Starks, I'm just going to say this. It has been so freaking cool because we're kind of seeing Ricky Starks right now, or we've been seeing Ricky Starks on the rise. And uh, it's just getting better and better for him each and every single week. Obviously, we knew that last week he wasn't going to be defeating MJF. That's perfectly fine. We already knew that they delivered a really great match. And, uh, you know, the mic work between both of them, between both Ricky Starks and MJF was really, really 
uh, enjoyable and spectacular, right? Well, you know, coming off of that, coming off of that main event from Winter is Coming, we knew that clearly MJF was going to be moving on to Brian Danielson. But the fact that MJF essentially used the low blow uh, to hit Ricky Starks and essentially get the win in an unfair manner, you knew that Ricky Starks kind of had that now with him where he can always go on and say, you know what, MJF didn't beat me cleanly. And if they ever feel like circling back to MJF and Ricky Starks, uh, they definitely have something there. But some of us were wondering, what is next for Ricky Starks? Well, he got an interesting offer here tonight. So Ricky Starks goes out there looking, uh, he's dressed to the nines, looking really good, got the really fancy shoes, the really fancy pants. He knows how to iron them. Apparently not like MJF, which was one of the things he had said previously, um, but he's looking good. So shout out to Ricky Starks. But anyways, so he goes out there and he's talking about how, you know, at least he lost this match against MJF like a man versus MJF, who basically won like a coward. Uh, I really liked that line because, yeah, that's exactly what happened. MJF cheated to get the win, and he was trying to cheat throughout the entire match versus Ricky Starks, who was obviously trying to, you know, uh, win in a, uh, you know, in a different manner. So that was really good. But he says he's the only one that has respect and dignity, and MJF doesn't. And then he goes on to say that he's going to be uh, the man of the hour because he is absolute Ricky Starks and he hits his little pose and then we hear the music. It's the Jericho Appreciation Society. And right when their music hit, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be interesting. Let's see where we go from here. So as you guys all recall, Jericho lost last week to Action Andretti. And that was like a whole thing. So Jericho comes out here tonight and uh, he's there with Sammy and with Daniel. And he basically tells Ricky Starks, you know, I've been watching you a long time. And, you know, I do not think that you are a dollar version of anybody. In fact, you are a million dollar talent. And he guarantees that Starks will one day be champion, just not today. So right away, I'm thinking, okay, Jericho's being a little too nice here to Ricky Starks. So it was very, very obvious from the beginning of this that Jericho was most likely going to be extending an invitation to Ricky Starks to essentially join the Jericho Appreciation Society. So he pretty much makes his way there and he starts, you know, alluding to asking him to be part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And I thought this was hilarious because we all knew where Jericho was going with this and the crowd just ran randomly starts chanting, Sammy sucks, Sammy sucks. And I thought it was hilarious because even though Sammy was there, it kind of had nothing to do at that moment with what was happening, what was happening between Jericho and uh, Ricky Stark. So I thought that this was hilarious that here he is in the middle of making this offer to Ricky Starks and the people are like, Sammy sucks, Sammy sucks. Um, This was freaking hilarious so I kind of thought that was very uh funny but either way Jericho finally gets his invitation out there and asks Ricky Starks you know to be part of the Jericho Appreciation Society and one of the things that we've been talking about non-stop lately is how Ricky Starks mic work has legitimately just been uh you know a pleasure to watch we've seen him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with MJF and even previous stuff previous work that he has done on the mic right so clearly they're letting them keep showing that because that is getting him over with the people. So he has this nice little funny uh, back and forth with Chris Jericho, where he obviously gets the better of Jericho. And he basically has some really funny um, one lines to Jericho. And I tried my best guys. I tried my best to keep up with this one, but he was like coming in here hot, man. Uh, some of the things that he was saying to Chris Jericho was that, you know, Jericho was the king of reinvention or whatever that he's really great at reinventing himself and he says just a while just a while ago just a couple months ago you were out here coming out here looking like an air fryer basically kind of uh, obviously body shaming him and we all know that you know Jericho was body shamed for a while so uh you know Ricky Starks tells him like look at you now you are dressed like a, I think he said a 50 year old or yeah, he said a, a 50 year old or middle-aged man that had been divorced 
five times or was already in his fifth divorce. Sorry. Uh, he was, he was saying that about Chris Jericho and this got a really great reaction because obviously Jericho tends to dress like a, like a younger guy, uh, you know, comes out there with the cool leather jackets and, and the, the tight leather pants and, and the big shoes and this and that. Uh, so this was pretty damn funny from Ricky Starks. I liked all of this. He then goes on to call the Jericho appreciation jobbers and Jericho had like the funniest facial expression to this. He was super for freaking piss he then gets the jazz hole chance going he starts calling sammy and daniel garcia jazz holes and this kind of got over with the crowd really good so ricky starks has been doing a really great job at getting phrases over uh you know first with mjf and the maxi pad and now here he is getting the jazz hole over so it's been really cool to kind of see ricky starks be able to do that kind of stuff and then my favorite part of this was he basically told the Jericho Appreciation Society, I'm not going to uh, team up with you guys. I'm not going to let you guys suck the life out of me. But if you guys want something to uh, suck on, and then he kind of teases taking off his pads. So obviously alluding to, you know what? And then he says, oh, no, no, no. Like, it's okay. I understand that you guys might not have quite a big enough appetite. Uh, so so this was pretty funny. Uh <laughs> Read in between the lines here. There was some really good lines from Ricky Starks during all of this. And basically, he ends up getting attacked from behind from the rest of the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And then Action Andretti comes on in and he ends up help, uh, having his back. So I like this, guys. Like, we're seeing where he's uh, Ricky Starks is now moving on to Chris Jericho. And here's the thing like, Jericho works with guys that are, how do I explain this? They, whoever he, like, the most of what he does with people and the people that he works with tend to, you know, keep leveling up and whatnot. So it's kind of cool that he's now going to be doing this program with Ricky Starks and obviously including Action Andretti because you got to capitalize from that momentum of what they had last week with Action Andretti defeating Chris Jericho. You got to keep that going. So we definitely saw that today, except for the fact that they nearly killed Action Andretti. He's just a kid. He's got a family and they nearly killed him today. So a lot of the fireball stuff that, you know, we see sometimes in wrestling, sometimes it looks really freaking hokey. Sometimes it looks really cheesy or it could look super lame, right? Um, I thought this fireball that Jericho did. Um, so just to rewind a little bit afterwards, later on in the show, we had Action Andretti do an interview backstage with Tony Schiavone. And, you know, he's hyped up. He's talking about this and that. He's putting himself over. He's putting over his victory over Jericho. He gets interrupted by 2.0. And this all leads to him getting a fireball in the freaking face. Now, if you didn't watch this, I am not exaggerating when I tell you that. And I even screenshotted this and posted it up because those flames were like all up on his face. Usually with these fireballs, you they look all like silly and stuff. But this one looked pretty, pretty damn uh, scary. Actually, it literally looked like the man was on fire. Uh, so anyways, that was a pretty good execution of the fireball, I thought. And then afterwards, he's just on the ground and all of you see is the flames until finally, you know, it goes away. So this was pretty good. I liked this. Um, thumbs up, man. I thought this was a pretty fun uh, direction to kick off the show, especially because we now know where we're going here with Ricky Starks and everything. So let's see what people are saying. Uh, we got a super chat here from Grapple Geekery who says, love Starks bringing back Stroke Daddy from NWA. He did. He brought that back here tonight. Uh, happy to see that. Uh, thank you to Grapple Geekery for sending this in. Justin Martin says, Missed over half of Dynamite due to church Christmas party. Uh, just wanted to drop in and say Merry Christmas, Denise, and everyone in the chat. God bless you. Uh, thank you so much to Justin, who is constantly here each and every single week in the chat. Um, I seriously appreciate you coming on to the show and just, you know, supporting all the time. I appreciate it, man. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family as well. All right, so let's go ahead and continue on, everybody. Uh, friendly reminder, if you do want to get your question, your opinion, your hot take, your Christmas list, your Christmas recipe uh, read here on the stream, you are more than welcome to send in a super chat um, at any point here today. Um, <laughs> Andrew Cook makes a joke in the comments saying, fireball with eggnog breath for extra oomph. You know, I've never had eggnog, so I can't even tell you, but I'm assuming eggnog has some alcohol in it. I don't know. Um, but either way, he, 
We got everybody in the chat making jokes saying he frosted his tips. That boy's curls got toasted. That took balls. Dude, hell no. After seeing that, if some opportunity came, let's just say that Jericho was knocking on your door and was like, hey, bud, let's do this fireball. I'd be like, nah, bro. I saw what happened to Action Andretti. I ain't doing this. Because um, it looked pretty... Uh, it looked pretty, uh, looked pretty dangerous. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on because this was my favorite thing on the show, hands down, man. Uh, this was the fifth match in the best of seven series for the AEW Trios Championships between uh, Death Triangle and the Elite. So they have been having a freaking blast. You know, this obviously all started at uh, full gear when the Elites came back. And from the very beginning, they've used every single match to kind of tell a different story and to really bring forth something different in ring wise for every single match. I mean, even with the first one, and obviously at that time, we still didn't know that they were going to do the best of seven series till later on that night. But but I still remember when um, the Death Triangle defeated the Elite, the reaction from the people going, holy shit, they actually defeated them on their return, uh, you know, to full in their return to AEW when there was a period of time where people didn't know if the Elite was going to be coming back. So from that point on, each and every single match has kind of been different. Like the first one you had the great in reaction. You had that surprise finish. The, the second one after that, you had, uh, you know, some more great in-ring work. We then saw, um, you know, the one that they did in front of the Chicago crowd where they were doing everything with the biting and the, and, and the nods to the AEW brawl and the crowd being like, F the young, F the elite, and then F CM Punk, and that being absolute madness, and just everything on that has happened afterwards. I loved how each and every single match has been different. For today's, uh, they pretty much kept that going. Obviously, this one was no DQ, no DQ for the reason that they had been using the hammer, to, uh, the Death Triangle had been using the hammer to cheat in these matches. So they finally said, you know what? Kenny was like, how about this time we have a no DQ, you know, weapons involved. Let's do it, right? Hell yeah. So they went with this and dude, this was my favorite part because, you know, clearly we're due. It's the holiday, it's the holiday bash and uh, you want to see, you want to see them get creative. Okay. Not just your everyday generic weapons. Okay. Not that I'm going to complain because I love weapons, but no, we got some holiday weapons this time. Literally. Mixed in, in between all of the high-flying maneuvers that you see between the Young Bucks and, uh, you know, Pac and, and, and uh, Phoenix and Penta and Kenny and everybody here. Mixed in with all of that, throw in the aspect of the holiday weapons. They had, they brought in a Christmas tree. We saw Kenny Omega bring in, bring in a broom wrapped in barbed wire, okay? Um, he ends up executing the tiger driver, tri tiger driver on with on that on the freaking broom to the point where the broom ends up getting stuck on his um his backside and you can tell that they were kind of like struggling to get it off of him so that was kind of funny to see but either way um they did a lot of you know really great back and forth counters um we finally see them bring in some tinsel we see them bring in the hammers uh they're really getting creative with what they're doing we see a couple of near falls here um some choking with the usage of the tinsel um we see the tables get brought in we see a pretty good spot where um it was Matt and Nick Jackson, they each do a, um, they have pack on one table and they have, I think it was Penta on the other table. And I think Matt went in there with a uh, elbow drop to the table on the outside with, I think Penta was on his table and then pack on the other with uh, Nick Jackson doing the senton. So that was pretty freaking cool. Snapdragon suplex from Kenny Omega to Phoenix in the ring. Uh, just a lot going on in this one. Uh, finally, we do end up seeing the elites pick up the win. And now the new score is Death Triangle 3 and the Elite 2. So in order for the elite to become AEW World's Trios champs, they got to win the next two matches. And I feel 
I would be shocked. Okay, first of all, I would be shocked if the Death Triangle were to win this one because to me, uh, it was very clear from the beginning that we were going to these seven matches and that the Elite was going to be winning the Trios Championships. Um, so to me, it's been very clear from the beginning that that's what's going to happen. And I'm just, you know, just with all of the really great matches scheduled in between. So I would be shocked if that did not happen and if the match six was the last one we saw. I'm not expecting that. I'm fully expecting to be sitting at the Kia Forum for the seventh match there in person watching the ladder match between the Death Triangle and the Elite. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to riot, okay? So we need to have the Elite uh, continue on because that's the only way I'm getting my match seven live in person at the Kia Forum. Um, but either way, this was a lot of fun, guys. Let's see what you guys thought about it. Send in some comments. Let's see what's up. Uh, thank you so much to Danny Padilla, who sends in a very generous super chat saying, uh, Santa said Denise made the nice list. Hope you have a Merry Christmas, girl. Uh, thank you so much, man. Uh, you have no idea what it means to me when people send in. I like love. If you guys even tune into the show, I'm like, yes, you know, uh, very excited about that. Uh, thank you so much. And I wish you and your family happy holidays as well. You know, I'm getting into the holiday spirit, guys. You all know I'm a, a Grinch, but. You know what? I'm getting into the holiday spirit. Uh, Manny and Dallas sends in another super chat saying, I appreciate the effort made trying to get these trios titles over. They have made it a focus of the show. These titles feel important. And here's the thing too. They had, in my opinion, they had to have all of this happen. Okay. Obviously, maybe not the specifics, right? Like they could have reworked all of this. That's fine. But I I love the way they're doing what they've done here with, uh, you know, since they brought back the elite, okay? But I want to rewind to full gear when Death Triangle defeated the elite. They, in my opinion, had to do that because even though the Death Triangle is incredibly popular and we all love the Death Triangle, like nobody here does not like the Death Triangle. And if you do, you got serious, you got serious issues, bro. Everybody likes the Death Triangle, okay? So anyways, but point blank is the elite are obviously just way bigger, massive stars, right? In terms of like the AEW world, okay? They're just bigger stars, all right? Um, you needed to have you needed to have the Death Triangle defeat them in this match to really get them to be, you know, closer to the elite's level. Like the elite has to, like there has to be another team on the roster or another couple of teams on the roster that are at the level or near the level of the elite because you want to keep things interesting. And the only way to keep things interesting is having, you know, hot stars working with hot stars to keep these uh, challenges interesting, to keep them, you know, um, having people going like, oh my God, I don't know who to root for. I'm a big fan of both of these people. Obviously more people, you know, still cheering for the elite because you want to see them get back their AEW trios championships um, like they were supposed to before all the drama went down. But um, they needed to do that for the Death Triangle. And also like Death Triangle, like they become a, they became trios champs, but it was by, not I don't want to say by default, that sounds kind of messed up, but because of the situation that happened and going into that match at full gear, I thought, man, I kind of feel bad for the death triangle because I know they're going to lose. And because, you know, the trios titles have to go to, to the elites. Cause that's the way that it's supposed to be. But I did feel bad for the death triangle. So when that, finished happened I was so uh, shocked but it made me a lot more excited and it get, got me oh, just more invested then you're doing this entire series where you're not only telling the story and doing these different types of matches but you're also just getting them over and getting them over and when and I'm assuming the Death Triangle is losing this when they do lose and we see uh the elites once again as champs I don't feel that that would have hurt the Dev Triangle at all. In fact, this whole series, in my opinion, has just really, really elevated them and also given them an opportunity to really showcase what they can do because we know that the Lucha Brothers are freaking, like, they're freaking stars, man. They're stars. They're uber talented. And then you have Pac, who I cannot wait to see. He is the guy on my list for the AEW side of things that I'm just want to see wrestle 
all of these different guys. Like he is on my list for pretty much everybody. Um, so you just have a lot going on there. But thank you so much to Manny and Dallas for uh, sending in that super chat. So let's go ahead and continue on from here. Uh, let's get into the MJF promo that occurred backstage. MJF is pissed off at, you know, what Brian Danielson did to him following his match with Ricky Starks. And he's basically saying that everybody wants to eat off his plate. And he's just pissed off. Okay. Later on, we get this, uh, another angry promo, but this is from Brian Danielson. So he's out there with Renee Paquette. And he's basically talking about how she asked him about the Blackpool Combat Club, and he basically says that they may not understand, but that when Regal was in the hospital, that, you know, he was, you know, he was crying, and he was saying that there's consequences to people's actions, and clearly saying that MJF is going to uh, pay for what he did to William Regal. So that's kind of where we're at with that. He then gets in front of the camera, and he's like yelling, he's pissed, uh, he's really, really angry. I don't recall ever seeing Brian Danielson that that angry before. Unless I'm forgetting something, that was like the most angry he's ever been. So he's out there, you know, yelling at the camera and this and that. And I'm getting really uh, into this at this moment, okay? And this was one of the points of the show that at first I thought, oof, I'm not really interested in this. So let me explain. Brian Danielson is heated, okay? He's pissed off. He's angry. And he's calling out MJF. MJF does not come out. Instead, we get Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page. And at that moment, I'm thinking, aw, no offense, no offense. But I'm thinking, aw, man, like, I don't want to see this. I want to see Brian Danielson and MJF just freaking, you know, yell at each other, especially right now that they're both so pissed. So this, to me, kind of, kind of, uh, uh, it, it kind of stunted a little bit of that momentum, a little bit of that adrenaline that I was feeling when Brian Danielson was out there, you know, going on with his jibber jabbish and everything that he was saying. When it wasn't MJF who came, didn't come out, I was bummed out, guys. I really was. And while they had a nice little back and forth here with Stokely Hathaway, Ethan Page, and Brian Danielson, it, it, it really did kind of, I think, slow things down just a tad for me. Uh, I wasn't necessarily as interested in this as I would have been if it would have been MJF. So anyways, we do have Ethan Page go out there and he's, you know, telling the telling Brian Danielson, like, nah, man, like, you know, it's my turn. I should be the one going for the championship, this and that. He, he calls him a vegetable man and it gets somewhat of a reaction. And then Soakley Hathaway takes the mic and he starts making fun of Brian Danielson. He makes fun of the food that he eats, saying that he eats cauliflower, uh, cauliflower Cheetos. I don't know if cauliflower Cheetos are a thing. I have no idea, but no offense. I would actually eat cauliflower Cheetos because I actually like cauliflower pizza. But then again, I like all pizza, so I don't know what to tell you guys. But if you haven't had cauliflower pizza, it's not that bad. It's actually, eh, it's okay for like a random Tuesday. But anyways, aside from that, so... They're going back and forth. Brian Danielson tells Stokely Hathaway, like, man, I can't even focus. Like, I'm distracted by that bright, shiny light coming out of your head, making fun of him for being uh, bald. And then he makes fun of him for not having hair. And then he tells him, you really just called me vegetable man. Uh, you know, like, that's really lame, this and that. I thought this was kind of, this was not that great, guys. I'm sorry. I tried with this one. I just really wasn't all that invested in this back and forth between Ethan Page, Stokely, and Brian Danielson. Although there were a few ha-ha moments. Uh, there was an... It's like... When Brian Danielson is at this point where he's so freaking pissed and then all of a sudden, like 10 seconds later, it's like, oh, you're calling me a vegetable, man. It just, we went from one thing that was really, really interesting and really steamy and just wanting to get more out of that to then this that kind of felt just like hokey and very, very throwaway type of deal. So I did kind of feel a little bummed out by this. I wasn't too interested in how all of this essentially turned out. Although one more thing, I do want to credit Stokely Hathaway because he did have a really funny line and I don't want to forget to say it was when he called um, Brian Danielson a raggedy bitch. Kudos to Stokely Hathaway because he always has some really good lines and the raggedy bitch one on um, that one popped me for sure. Uh, it popped me, but 
low key, I was a little bit disinterested in this little back and forth that we had here. Uh, Afterwards, Danielson basically says he wants to fight Ethan Page. Uh, Page says he won't fight him in San Antonio. Instead, he'll fight him uh, in Denver. So there you go. And MJF is shown backstage watching all of this unfold. So how do you guys think about this? Let's get some thoughts in here. Uh, we got Grapple Geekery who says it was the, it was a firm, heavy show with some rough segments. Yeah, and that was one of the things that you know, again, I mentioned at the top of this stream. And this one, I just feel like this segment wasn't bad. It's just that, again, when you have Brian Danielson, you know, sizzling, you know, you got the pot going and then you kind of just go in an entirely, you know, different direction. It does take away some of that, you know, some of that fire, some of that interest. So I did kind of feel just a tad bit cheated, but clearly MJF is, you know, being a coward and not wanting to confront uh brian danielson so i get that point of it all but anyways thank you so much to grapple geekery for sending in uh this super chat um and Samian puts over stokely for being the best part of all the firm segments and yeah i agree dude uh i mean just give that guy a mic man and he can freaking go and he always has some really great uh things to say um all right and let's see what else we got here and see what people are uh saying um uh, I don't know. I'm seeing a little bit of some mixture in terms of I'm not seeing a lot of people really connect with the firm. Um, but then some people are like, you know, like we got abstract dogmo says that was hilarious. Brandon's like the firm forming to help MJF still feels pointless to me. It does. And that's because so much of the explanation of how all of this came to be with the firm and MJF was so convoluted with how they pretty much had MJF do like that 20 minute promo where he was talking about it. Uh, it was just all so much information, right? Um, so there you go. Uh, let's move on from this. Let's get into what I thought was kind of low key, really funny. It wasn't meant to, I don't know if this was meant to be funny, but just for real though, I laugh or I get kicks out of really dumb stuff. Okay. But I wouldn't consider this dumb. I would consider this under the radar hilarious like it's not in your face funny but it's still funny okay let me explain Samoa Joe Samoa Joe you know big beefy dude he's he's doing this this promo in front of a Christmas tree and I'm sorry I find comedy in that I find comedy in the fact that Samoa Joe who's this killer who's this madman who literally killed Darby Allen 10 times killed him brought him back to life killed him again brought him back to life and killed him again uh this guy who you know walks out there and is always super pissed off and this and that god I love Samoa Joe uh standing in front of his Christmas tree with almost seeming like he's doing a PSA for the holidays, right? Almost doing like a video Christmas card. <laughs> this was really funny to me. And I don't think it was supposed to be this funny. It's just like, it doesn't match his personality type thing. But anyways, so Samoa Joe is obviously your TNT and Ring of Honor champion is there to wish everybody happy holidays, except Wardlow. He tells him, you're not going to be having a happy new year, but he basically tells him, you know, I'll let you enjoy your holidays. Like, go out and enjoy your holidays, but come December 28th, uh, you know, you, the cheer ends, the happy season is over. So, man, this worked for me. This was pretty freaking hilarious. <laughs> Sam Fine says, hello, I'm happy, Joe. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, Simeon says, I laughed as well, Denise. It was meant to be funny in a sarcastic, threatening way. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Like, that's the way you, uh, yeah, that's a good way of describing it. it. It was funny. All right. We got a quick match between, uh, your FTW champion hook defeating Exodus prime. Um, essentially this is a lot of what we've been seeing with hook, but mainly on rampage. And this time he comes out there and pretty much has the same match we've been seeing on Rampage this time on Dynamite. So I was cool with this. I'm like, all right, you know, clearly you get him doing some stuff on Dynamite. I'm cool with this. Even though it wasn't, you know, too extraordinary, it was fine. Uh, he basically goes in there and he defeats some with the... Um, <clears throat> Defeats Exodus Prime with the red rum. Again, stuff we've seen before. Happy it's happening on uh, Dynamite. You know, get, get, the, get the kids some bigger audience. This was fine. This was harmless, guys. This was harmless. All right. Um, let's talk more about the firm. <laughs> okay. This this was this was pretty funny. I think it could have been executed a little bit better, but it was still funny. So we had Jungle Boy essentially 
after this match that Hook finished, uh, the firm popped up on the screen and they're basically beating up his now friend, Jungle Boy. As you guys all know, Hook and Jungle Boy are now friends. And no, it's not a, a Disney Nickelodeon TV show. They're friends, Jungle Boy and Hook. And um, so they're showing Big Bill, Lee Moriarty, uh, all of those guys attacking Jungle Boy uh, backstage. And they end up throwing Jungle Boy into the trash bin. Jungle Boy Jack Perry got thrown into the trash bin. It's pretty messed up. Right before the holidays. Now he's just going to be at home stinking like trash. That's really mean. But either way, this was funny. I like this. This wasn't too bad. I liked the attack. I thought the attack could have been, I hate to say this, I think the attack should have been a little bit more brutal. That sounds really messed up. But I really did think that it could have been just a tad bit more brutal. Uh, Either way, Hook's really pissed off and he powers his way back there, you know, to go figure out if his friend's okay. There's also one thing that I will do want to say because I feel like the moment was kind of stolen for a bit. And this was more on the production side of things. When Jungle Boy was thrown into the trash can or the trash bin, the dumpster, he, um, they were two in a row. The timing was like off or they didn't really give enough time to actually show jungle boy in the dumpster i would have liked they kind of barely showed him and they quickly cut away to hook walking up the ramp i would have really liked to see just a tad more couple seconds on that shot with jungle boy in the dumpster because i feel like that's an important visual the man was the 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 boy the man was thrown into the dumpster so um either way so that was just like a quick little technical nitpick there uh we got a super sticker so thank you so much to thomas john rittenhouse for sending in a stoop a stupor a super sticker uh seriously thank you so much for the love and for the support um once again guys if you want to send in your thoughts your comments your hot takes uh please just support this podcast you're more than welcome to send in a super chat and i will make sure that your uh, comment gets read here on the show and again it just keeps me uh funded each and every single week so thank you so much to thomas john Ridden House for sending in that super sticker. If you have nothing to say, you can send in a super sticker. All right. Um, let's see where else we got here. Uh, let's <laughs> Brandon Stark says, I'm sure he'll take a shower before going home, Denise. Hey man, once you're thrown in the dumpster, it stays with you, man. It stays with you. Um, all right, moving on from here. Let's get into Darius Martin versus John Moxley. So this match, I thought. There were some fun little moments here. And you know what? Like, I'm not even going to hate because I feel like, you know, Darius, you know, unfortunately he was, you know, away for for a bit. And, you know, we didn't really get to see much of him. This was his first singles match since coming back um, from his injury and just everything. And so because of that, I'm like, all right, you know what? Let the guy have this moment. Let the guy go out there and have this match with John Moxley and, you know, get some fun you know, for some fun stuff in here. Okay. Uh, so that's what I was kind of thinking. I, the match itself, I didn't think was too great. I did think it went a little bit too long. Um, but I was like, you know what? We, you know, I give the guy his moment, let him have this opportunity. But would I say this was really great stuff? No, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. But I did think like, you know what, just really let him have this moment. Um, there was some good stuff. So I'll point out some of the stuff that I liked. I liked them going out into the crowd, Moxley getting them with the suplex onto the concrete. Um, that was fun. Uh, seeing him hit a tope on John Moxley. They exchange a couple of chops between both of them. Mox gets the hammer and anvil elbows on him for a bit, but he quickly stops it. And he seems like he just wants to, uh, you know, going on the attack on Darius just a little bit more. Uh, finally, at one point, he tries to take the knee brace off of him. Uh, and at this point, I was really thinking that the match went way too long but finally we get to moxley stomping him elbows again uh death rider and he finally gets the win so i would have probably just trimmed this down just a tad bit but whatever like i said let the guy go out there and have his moment on dynamite so it's fine but it was a throwaway match though all right let's see what we got here we got another video for powerhouse hobbs everyone they've been doing these uh book of hobbs videos where we've been seeing him just you know, basically what they're doing is they're really building him up and building up his character in, in terms of, it seems like they're building up his, um, 
how do I, how did I describe this? They're showing his mentality, right? They're showing his strength and character because we've been seeing all of these clips, you know, of where he's from. And now the one that we got here today was, you know, him in this like dark room lifting weights and you know he's very very serious and he's really into what he's doing and you know he's very very focused and obviously we've been seeing a lot of changes in powerhouse hops he's got a whole new uh a whole new look really like good for him man he put in the work uh good for him he looks freaking great uh obviously everything that we saw between him wardlow and samoa joe that was some pretty good stuff there too i'm excited for this presentation of hobbs i'm liking this like i want to root for the guy based on what we saw with again with Wardlow and uh, Samoa Joe and based on what we've been seeing with this book of Hobbs uh, I'm excited all right cool I'm here for all of this uh, we got a super chat here from uh abstract abstract dogma thank you so much for sending this in uh abstract says I love how John Moxley and Jericho are consistently raising the profiles of young talent. Danielson too. I thought Hater versus Sheeta was match of the night. I can't wait to talk about that match. But also, yes, I agree with you. Uh, we've been seeing that John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, they're definitely not shying away from working with the young talent. And we've been seeing John Moxley literally work with so much young talent. Um, Brian Danielson, too, you know, he's been, uh, you know, obviously surrounding himself with all of these people, you know, uh, so many Wheeler Yuta, just to name a few, uh, Jericho and Daniel Garcia, and obviously Daniel Garcia Danielson as well. Um, I like this, you know, I like that they're doing that. And it's definitely, you know, working for a lot of people. Uh, same thing for uh, obviously with Action Andretti being the most recent example of Jericho basically saying that he saw his match with QT Marshall on AEW Dark. And he basically uh, saw that that guy, that Action Andretti was a future star in the making. And he decided, you know what, I'm gonna put this guy over. And he really did. And if you're gonna want anybody to put you over in this business, uh, Jericho is definitely uh, to for Jericho to to be like I pick this guy to put over in such a huge manner dude I would if I ever interview Action Andretti I really want to get into his uh you know his brain in terms of how he felt about that because that must be that must feel like a huge honor to have somebody like Chris Jericho who has literally done it all in the world of pro wrestling to say to see something in you and go like you know what that guy that guy, I'm going to put him over. I'm going to make this guy a star. Uh, and then I'm going to throw a fireball in his face and take out his eyebrows. But you get what I mean. Um, thank you so much to Abstract Dogma for sending in this super chat. It's much appreciated, man. All righty. And let's press on. Um, we got FTR versus the Gun Club. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not like this. It wasn't that I didn't like the match. The match was fine. I want to talk about that finish. I did not like this finish at all. Oof. And here's the thing. I would have liked this finish if and only if. How do I say this? There was no, hardly no reaction to this. The crowd didn't, there was a mixture of boos and some like, what the hell? Like, but it wasn't, how do I say this? It wasn't this like massive, like, what the hell, boo, like kind of reaction. It was kind of, it was a, it was a reaction to the fans going, what did that just happen? What? Boo? What? Uh, and I just kind of thought like, oh my God, you know, FTR is obviously this great tag team. We're always talking about that. We know this. They're a great tag team. And for the gun club, and obviously, you know, with the win and the way that it happened with, uh, you know, holding the ropes and all of that, I get it. It was a very quick, sudden, uh, you know, type of deal, cheating, all of that. We get it. But it just didn't necessarily garner a, any sort of really major reaction. It didn't garner, you know, what Action Andretti garnered when he defeated Chris Jericho. But it, and it also didn't garner so much anger from the result. So it kind of felt like it was a nothing, a nothing moment. To me, it didn't feel like a big moment whatsoever. I kind of just felt like, really? That's what we're doing. And that's the way that we're doing it for the gun club here. And I don't know, guys, I was not a fan of this, man. I, I wasn't a fan of this. I feel like a team like FTR should not be losing in this kind of manner. I'm sorry, but I feel like 
there are certain people, certain acts that you, you know, just do things differently with. And I get it. They want to keep continuing to get the gun club over. Uh, I feel like they may be overestimating how much people might actually care about the gun club. I don't feel that their reactions are like the same, like what you were getting with the acclaimed, for example. And I don't really feel where people are reacting that way to the gun club. And maybe I'm completely wrong here, but I just don't see it. Like it's not something that I'm seeing. So to me, uh, this kind of felt like a waste of an ending. It, it, I did not like it. I wasn't a fan of the ending of this match uh, whatsoever. Uh, it didn't do anything for me. If it would have garnered this like, so much like what the hell if the if the if the reaction would have been much grander to the gun club winning then i would have been like you know what maybe it wasn't for me but if the fans are reacting to this then great great but i don't feel that i got that from this uh finish between the FT ftr and the gun club so i was definitely um I was definitely not not into this one. And I see a lot of people saying that they believe that FTR is on the way out. I don't know, guys. I do not know if FTR is on their way out or not. But there are a lot of people, you know, kind of thinking that, uh, you know, based on I, I don't I'm not too sure on that. To be honest, I'm like, if I was supposed to give like a percentage or something, I would go with like Oof, I don't know. It's I don't even I wouldn't even think 50-50 to be honest. I'm not even 50-50 on FTR leaving. But again, I could be completely just I know that the you know Dax when he did his interview with Fightful, he did say that, you know, they had considered maybe taking a year off and from from working with the Brig promotion and kind of, you know, going around and doing more indie stuff and, you know, kind of doing a lot more of that. That was something that was said in that interview. So that definitely stood out to me. Um, but again, I just don't know. I feel like things change so fast. So I don't know if they're on their way out, but this was definitely not something that got me going. Ooh, that's hot stuff. No, I, I felt a little bit gypped here, but Grapple Geekery sends in a super chat saying the crowd wasn't into a lot of stuff tonight. But here's the thing, though, the stuff that was great, they were reacting. I mean, look at the way that they reacted to that main event. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a second, but they were really reacting to that. They were reacting to the things that were good on the show. If it wasn't good, they weren't going to react. You know, I don't blame them for that. I don't blame them for that at all. Uh, thank you so much to Grapple Geekery for also sending in uh, this super chat here today. Um, all right. So uh, let's get into it and continue on from here. Let's talk about everyone's favorite segment today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Rick Ross, Keefley, Swerve. Oh, man, guys, this was rough. This was unfortunately did not turn out the way that I think they might have thought that it was going to turn out on paper. Uh, this was not good. There was one thing that was good on this one thing. And you all know what that one thing was. But before we get to it, let's talk about what happened here. So Rick Ross comes out and he's uh, mediating this uh mediating the relationship between uh swerve and keith lee okay <laughs> rick ross turns to keith lee and he tells them you're a big mother effer all right and he didn't say it the way i did he full-on said it um finally he says like let's get swerve out here right swerve doesn't come out right away he takes his time and uh swerve finally comes out and he gets out there and he's like i didn't realize we were doing this on keith lee's time right like we're basically we're doing it on my time from here on out uh swerve starts telling keith you know that he can't keep his eye on anything mentioning he can't even keep his eye on his health and then he says this line he says you need to have eyes in the back of your head and the second he said that we all knew there was going to be a uh, an attack, an attack of some sort, right? But the timing was completely off because after Swerve said that, we got a shot of Keith Lee and Rick Ross, who was standing next to him. But with the way that it was shot, it almost looked like Rick Ross was standing behind him. He was standing to the side of him and a little bit behind, not directly behind, but because Swerve said that, and because they had this like timing issue, it almost seemed like Rick Ross was going to turn on Keith Lee. 
That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought for a second, oh, he's going to turn on Keith Lee. Okay, fine, cool. But a couple seconds later, instead, he gets attacked by Parker Bordor, Bordor, Bordreau, whatever the last name is, Bordreau, Bordreau, whatever. Parker. And he ends up attacking Keith Lee. Not very long because Keith Lee is like, eh, thank you, next. Uh, pretty much he's, he wasn't able to completely take down Keith Lee, right? And unfortunately, Parker didn't get a reaction either. Like, nobody cared. <laughs> there was no reaction to this, like, at all. And I'm like, okay, you know, in situations like this, when you have somebody cue you up and say you got to have eyes in the back of your head. The person who is attacking from behind has to be someone that's a big deal or someone that's going to get some sort of reaction. Uh, Parker didn't get any reaction whatsoever. So now Parker's somebody we know. Okay. We know him. We know him. And even then it didn't garner a reaction. And then <laughs> Keith Lee is, you know, making his way over to a swerve. Right. But instead he is then attacked by another fella. And this guy is like jacked, man. He's jacked. He's got tattoos and this and that. And he comes out and he jumps Keith Lee. And so at this point, Keith Lee is outnumbered. But nobody knew who this guy was. And I'm I'm messaging people and I'm like, hey, you know who this is? Like, I don't want to look stupid on my podcast and be like, I don't know who this guy is. So then I go on Twitter and apparently nobody else knew who this guy was. And I'm like, oh, thank God I wasn't the only person. There was a small group of people who are saying that the person uh, supposedly is Tom McDonald. And the last I saw this hasn't even been... Um, this hasn't even been fully confirmed the last I saw on Twitter. This may have been confirmed now, but um, <laughs> we didn't know who this, 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 you know, this other guy was. And so, um, unfortunately, it did not. If you thought that Parker didn't get any, any reaction, uh, this other guy got zilch, nada. I mean, crickets, okay? Uh, <laughs> someone says it's not Tom McDonald. See, I don't even know who Tom McDonald is. I should tell you everything, but people were saying that it was him. Um, <laughs> no idea. So there you go. Uh, this is terrible, right? I'm sorry, but this was not good. People didn't know who this was. Apparently, we still don't know as of this moment. And also, nobody cared. So it was not good. The only thing that was good after this, this was the one thing that really, really was like, yeah, all right, cool. And it was that stomp. So they set him, he's Keith Lee, you know, big guy. He's outnumbered. He's laid out on the steel steps and they put this cylinder block on his belly and Swerve goes to the top rope and does a freaking stomp right onto the concrete, the cylinder block. And that thing just freaking explodes everywhere. And so that was pretty sick. Honestly, that was low key kind of scary too, because if Swerve didn't get like the proper, uh, you know, footing, the proper, you know, if he didn't measure himself correctly or he could have slipped or anything could have happened, right? He, this had to be executed really, really carefully. And he did execute that very carefully and ended up coming out pretty damn cool. But still, it could have turned out not so great. That was the only thing the only thing that worked personally I would have preferred if like swerve would have been like oh you need to have eyes in the back of your head okay I would have preferred for Rick Ross to be like boom get Keith Lee with the microphone and then have swerve run in and then they both essentially attack Keith Lee then do the spot with the concrete that would have been so much better I think you could have eliminated both of these other dudes and not had them get involved um, but it seems like they're going to be a thing now because uh, Swerve has been alluding to having affiliates. And this is also what they were called here tonight were his affiliates. So basically the guys that come out and, you know, do the dirty work, but get no reaction. So, um, yeah, also great reaction from the crowd for the cylinder spot. Everybody was chanting holy shit after that because that was pretty cool. Um, Grapple Geekery sends in a super chat saying they went past Bow Wow cell phone production levels. <laughs> they went past Bow Wow cell phone production levels and started barreling for the Dark Order Creeper beat down territory. The audio sucked too. I didn't notice that. So um, I don't know. I didn't notice that actually the audio sucking. Hmm. Okay. But thank you either way for sending in the super chat. Um, seriously, thank you. 
Uh, let's see what else we got here and see what people are saying. This is a super chat from Cadillac Carson. Thank you for this very generous one. Uh, Cadillac says, Merry Christmas to you, Denise. I know you'll talk about the main event later, but that main event rolls. I'm so happy at how many people are uh, excited to talk about that main event. And I can't wait to talk about it either because I really want to talk about the, um, the how do I say this, like, what it basically means to the women's division to have a match like this. And we'll, we'll get into it in just a second. Uh, but thank you so much, Cadillac Carson, for this very generous super chat. Um, all right. This is the comment that I want to read from Brandon Stark, who says they don't need to add all these other ingredients to this perfect dish of Keith Lee versus Swerve. Overcomplicating this feud is unnecessary. Yeah, I agree. People are interested in Swerve. People are interested in Keith Lee. You're already interested in both of these guys. So we don't really need all the extra, like you said, all the extra ingredients into this. You don't really need it. And I get it. They want to, you know, keep things fun and lively, but I feel they can keep it fun and lively just as is. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and continue on from here. Um, okay, we're actually about to get into the main event, everybody. Whoop, whoop. All right, before I do, just a heads up, everyone. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please uh, tweet about it, spread the word. I'm really trying to continue growing the show and get people to tune in and, you know, have a good time. If you guys have been having a good time, yeah, help me spread the word. You like literally leaving a comment, hitting that like button, uh, tweeting about it, whatever the situation is, uh, please, anything helps really in terms of growing this podcast. It is seriously appreciated, all of your support each and every single week and I am going to be back this Friday to talk about Smackdown and Rampage and I think it'll be a pretty uh, fun one for sure uh, we also got another super chat here from uh, Manny in Dallas who says I guess the tattoo Mc McDonald's guy is not <laughs> McDonald's guy is not all elite I don't know I mean unless Tony Khan's put out a graphic while I've been on this show I have no idea uh, unfortunately, I'm not on Twitter while I'm doing the show because it would just be too distracting. Um, but I haven't seen anything. I'm pretty sure someone would have notified me by now. Uh, thank you to Manny and Dallas uh, for sending in the super chat. And I, I feel bad because this goes back to when you have stuff like this happened, it just leaves like a, I don't know how to explain it, like an iffy note. Like poor, I always go back to poor Satnam Singh. Y'all remember Satnam Singh's AEW debut? Of course you do. Because it gave us, it left us going, oh no, you know? And that's the same reaction that I, that's a, the Satnam Singh thing. And this, I'm feeling the same, the same emotions of, oh, that was rough. Uh, Heidi Hosen's in a super chat saying, can someone make a gif of Soraya running to the ring asking for a friend? <laughs> Uh, I didn't, I didn't pay close enough attention to Soraya running down the ring. Uh, she looks good. She looks good. I didn't see anything like, uh, out of, uh, you know, out of something that wasn't normal. She looks fine. All right, let's get into it guys. Let's talk about, um, Jamie Hayter and Hikaru Shida in the main event for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, up until this point, right before this main event. I literally put out a tweet going, my God, the trios. Well, I didn't say my God, but I was thinking it. Um, <laughs> the trios championship at this point was the highlight of the show. And that was it, my opinion. Until this main event happened. Until this main event brought back some life and ended up helping us. How do I say this? Ended up ending the night on a really, really strong note. Okay. Also. God, there's so much to get into here. Okay, let's talk about the merch, the, the match first and foremost. So this was Jamie Hayter's first official championship defense, okay? And they had, I think, two picture-in-pictures during this match, okay? And even with those two picture-in-picture -picture breaks, it did not take away from the interest because the quality and just like the in-ring work between both women was really spot on for this, that even though we had these two picture-in-picture -picture breaks, usually the picture-in-picture -picture breaks, they'll kill you, man. They, they really will kill you sometimes, and they can take out of a match. But this time, it didn't. Like, for the most part, I mean, I would have preferred non the non-picture-in-pictures, but for the most part, I was still able to enjoy the match and what I was seeing uh, not in the picture-in-picture. -picture. And so... 
even just like the final moments of this match where we had Jamie Hayter uh, do that sliding lariat that she always does. And she hits it on Cheetah. She did, she goes for the pin and Sheeta kicks out. Uh, afterwards, we see Britt Baker get involved. Sheeta gets her with the kendo stick. Hater ends up reversing a powerbomb attempt from Sheeta. And they kind of go back and forth here. Another couple of near falls here. And then finally, all leading to the victory from Jamie Hater. The way that they howled the crowd and the way that people were reacting and all of the back and forths that they did here, my favorite part after this match ended was they... Uh, went to a shot of the crowd and there was this little boy in the crowd who was just like, <gasps> you know, really freaking out. And to me, that said so much more than I think a lot of people realize because, you know, there's always people, you know, saying this or that about women's wrestling and blah, 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 and all of these other things that people say and this and that. And when you see uh, a young fan, especially, you know, a young boy in the crowd reacting this way, to a women's match, that right there, my friend, was really freaking cool to see. It was so cool to see that. And that little moment to me just meant a little bit more than I think a, than people might have noticed. But um, I want to talk about how what this signifies, because it has been a little bit rough for the AEW Women's Championships, okay? Championship picture, excuse me. Um, Tony, where do I begin? Tony Storm, you know, Pete, you know, she, she had a pretty good run as champion, okay? But I wouldn't say that the crowd was completely behind her the way that they are with Jamie Hayter. And she was having good matches and this and that, right? But there was still like a missing ingredient with her reign, okay? It may have been because she was interim women's champion and that took a lot and it wasn't until way later when she lost the bout that they decided to recognize her reign as your regular AEW women's championship reign prior to that you know you had Thunder Rosa as champion and they didn't really do much with her as champion so that hurt the championship then you go into Tony Storm and everything she did she added so much more but she still had the interim title so there was still that missing ingredient there then finally, you know, uh, Jamie Hayter becomes champion and, uh, you know, they have Renee Paquette announce that she is now the official AEW Women's Champion and that, you know, basically Thunder Rosa was relinquishing the bout, that type of thing. And first of all, I was so happy that they did this because you really needed to. Uh, you really, really needed to do that. You needed to have her as women's champion, not interim champion, but women's freaking champion. Okay, it just means so much more. <laughs> so then you also had this being her first title defense. They did a lot of good for her. And by that, they put her in there with a really great opponent, Hikaru Shida. And they did, you know, the in-ring stuff was great. On top of that, it was the Dynamite main event for a special edition episode with Holiday Bash, okay? And to me, having all of those things be factored into all of this, it just really helped the start of Jamie Hayter's reign. It finally feels like we're going to get a real AEW Women's Championship run, a nice, legit one, because I feel it's been a hot minute since we've had a really strong AEW Women's Champion, somebody that the crowd is behind up, somebody that's going out there and is going to, you know, be pushed by the company to go out there and have all of these, you know, really cool matches is being positioned. Positioned is a key word to go out there and have these opportunities, you know, and they positioned her again by being the main event on Dynamite, having her in the ring in there with Hikaru Shida. All of those things matter and they add to, they add to her championship reign, thus adding to the belt, thus adding to the entire AEW women's division. Okay. So this mattered a whole lot because I think it's going to, it, it just feels like a nice start. Like we're starting again. And I hope that they really make Jamie into a strong champion, a dominant champion, because we need a dominant AEW women's champion. We need a fighting champion too. So I really, really hope that they keep treating this reign for Jamie Hayter um, just a lot better than they have for, you know, in the past. Um, I want to see it because it's just going to help 
make things so much better for the AEW women's division. And, you know, they've been doing a great job with Jade Cargill, but that's not the main bout. The main bout is the AEW women's championship. So it shouldn't feel like the secondary bout. And for a while, it kind of did feel like that secondary bout. So um, I'm really looking forward to, based off of the start here with Jamie as AEW Women's Champion, I'm looking forward to what this is going to mean for the future uh, of not just her, but the belt and the division itself. Because even afterwards, we had Soraya run out there, uh, you know, attacking Brit. We are still waiting to find out who Soraya's mystery partner is going to be at the LA show. Uh, people are still thinking it could be Sasha Banks. We still do not know. We'll find out. I have no idea when, but we'll find out. Um, so there's just a lot to kind of be excited about right now. Um, all right, so let's see what you guys are saying here. Uh, we got a super chat here from Kevin. Thank you so much to Kevin who says, considering Tom McDonald is live streaming right now, pushing his video, I really don't think it was him. Oh, God. Oh, my God. This is hilarious, guys. This is so hilarious. All right. Uh, thank you so much to Kevin for sending this, uh, sending in this super chat. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Grapple Geekery says, no mention of Soraya's mystery tag partner. Yep, they didn't mention anyone yet. And we are getting closer and closer. We have, they have next week, there's another Dynamite this month. And then there is, I think, another Dynamite in January or one or two. Because the, the LA show's on the 11th. So I think there's one. Yeah, I think there's one. And then the LA show. So they, they're, in, they're getting closer, okay? They're getting closer. Like, they either got to announce something next week or the week after. If not, we're all going to be expecting, uh, you know, Sasha Banks or something. And when I say something, I don't even think there's a something else. I mean, Sasha Banks is, by that point, if that day comes and they haven't announced anybody, bro, we're all going to be expecting Sasha Banks, all right? And if it ain't Sasha Banks, I feel bad for anybody who walks out there, man. Uh, feel really bad. Um, but thank you so much to Grapple Geekery for this super chat as well. I'm going to get some uh, non-super chat comments in here too because we got some pretty nice ones about this main event. This is from Mr. MF who says, one of the best AEW matches I have ever seen. Jamie, Sheeta, Storm, and Rosa are the best women on the roster. Baker might be the best on the mic. Something can be done here. They just paved the way. Hell yeah. That's the thing. They got the ingredients, guys. They got so many women that can do such good stuff. Um, there's They got the ingredients. Just you know, mix it up. Just mix it up and you know, make it work. And uh, they definitely have what it takes to do all of that. But we just got everybody putting over this match. Andrew Cook sends in a super chat. Thank you so much to Andrew who says, uh, great first events defense for haters reign. The number of false finishes, the back and forth, Sheeta fighting off Brit. It really showed Sheeta like a champ. I think Sheeta, she just, she does a hell of a job when she's out there. And I think like so many of the other girls, I think they just want to do a good job so that the women's division could be could be where it should be okay so that it could be the very best that it can be and the only way to do so is by having uh you know these banger matches and she knows that like she even if she just like you know what i'm not the champ doesn't matter i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna put on a freaking great match because this is only going to further elevate our division you know iron sharpens iron type of deal and uh that's like the vibe that i get from uh from Sheeta and what you saw here today. Uh, so thank you so much to Andrew Cook for also sending this in. Uh, thank you so much to Mike T90K for also sending in a super sticker. Uh, this is much appreciated as well. Uh, same to Sam Fines uh, for also sending in a uh, super sticker. Did you send in the 444 so that I can search my guardian angel numbers? Because I said that in a previous podcast. And I feel like you might have been there for that. Uh, but either way, thank you so much to Sam Fines for uh, also sending in uh, the super chat here today. Um, and also Mike T90 sends in uh, Jeff Jarrett in a rap video sums up my 2022. <laughs> Dude, you just never know what to expect anymore. Uh, speaking of not knowing what to expect, uh, Sean and I did a, a 2023 predictions video on my YouTube channel. It's doing really well. Um, so go check it out. That's youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Uh, it's a really fun 2023 predictions video. Uh, we create bingo cards. Sean picks six items that he thinks is going to happen in the world of wrestling. I pick six that I would love to happen. But if they did, 
it would be massive because I chose some really crazy stuff. But it's a really fun video and it's got a lot of people sharing their predictions as well. So speaking of predictions, uh, check out that video. But that's it, guys. That was AEW Dynamite December 21st holiday bash. I hope you guys had a good time. And if I don't see you here on Friday, uh, please enjoy your holidays. Have a good time. Spend them with the people you love. And thank you so much for being here. Subscribe to F4W online. We are almost at 100K. And also subscribe to my channel, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. I'm almost at 100K too. And Twitter and Instagram, same username. All right, guys. Have a great night, everyone. Bye.